Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisper podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, the Game Whisper, and I want to welcome you to the show. This episode represents our uh, first episode of season two. Uh, last season ran for two months. We did uh, 16 episodes and started in the first week of November. It's now the beginning of the new year. And for our launch of the new year, I thought I would take the time to kind of do a year in review of Kickstarter. And it has been a wild year. Back in September, October timeframe, when things started to really hit, heat up with Kickstarter, I kind of looked out at the, the landscape and I made a prediction. And I was bold. Kickstarter in 2011 was going to do more than $1.5 million. And I even went out on a prediction website and predicted that before August of next year, Kickstarter would have a game project that crossed over the $100,000 mark. Whoa, was I wrong. In a good way. Kickstarter, board games, well, board games, let's make sure we define the term. Board games means card games, dice games, RPGs, board games, and pretty much games overall. And even kind of game themes. We're trying to define that as the as this first season went on. But overall, board games did just over $2 million in the year 2011. $2,026,000 and some odd dollars. That's a significant amount of money. A lot more than I thought. I was looking at $1.5 million, but $2 million, a lot of money. The month of December alone did over $600,000 in the month of December. It was kind of an emotional run-up. Uh, Kickstarter had become exciting. People saw some of the games that were out there. Four of the, four of the top 10 all-time funding games funded in the month of December. So it was a time that a lot of people were throwing a lot of money. And I think, you know, in my personal opinion, the holidays had a lot to do with that. People are in the buying mood. They're spending the money. And it's kind of an exciting time to see these projects going well. And then we had D-Day Dice, which did uh, 170000 172000 right about there, $170,000 of funding that just got everybody excited. 2,000 uh, backers. And people realized that, hey, this Kickstarter thing has got some, uh, got some significant success to it. So let's take a look at some of the numbers. In 2011, that $2 million was divided up amongst basically four categories. Board games, card games, RPGs, and dice games. By the way, all the stats I'm going to read to you, everything about the show today, can be seen in the report that I wrote up on Purple Pawn, www.purple, the color purple, pawn, like on chess, P-A-W-N, dot com. My Kickstarter year in review is there. That's where I post uh, all the data. And you can go out and look at the charts. They're all really pretty. I've made them in kind of nice little colors and that type of thing. But let me go ahead and share with you some of that data. Of those four categories, board games, card games, RPG, and dice games, board games dominate, but not as much as you might think. They did 42%, or basically 40, 42.5% of the total funding of that $2 million, just around a little over $800,000. Card games were number two at uh, about 30%. Number three was RPGs at 13.5%, and then dice games came in at 12.5%. You know, and it's interesting that dice games at 12.5%, D-Day Dice fit under that, and so that's where a significant amount of their money came from was from that single sponsorship, which would have made all the other categories a little bigger. Now, I have to admit, the numbers aren't uh, perfect. As, we, as I was compiling the data throughout the year, I wasn't sure what was important, what I was collecting that was going to have impact, and so... 
I think some of the categories might get mixed up a little bit. If you go back and read some of the data, you might see that uh, maybe some of those games aren't classified the, properly. One of the challenges has been Kickstarter themselves. They don't have a very easy way of finding games, uh, board games, card games, that type of thing. It kind of just falls into video games and games. And then you kind of have to kind of search and find your own way of getting that data out. And so the data I've collected is my own. If there's mistakes, I made those mistakes. And I did. I made lots of them. But hopefully you'll uh, forgive me for that. Uh, interesting, the uh, number of projects were right around 110 projects. Now that $2 million spread across 110 projects, what is that, about uh, $20,000, give or take. Sounds like a lot of money. I sat down with Cindy Ao over at uh, Kickstarter uh, a few weeks ago, and we talked about the impact that the board game space has on Kickstarter. Kickstarter funds or gets pledges about $2 million a week on their Kickstarter website. So if you think about it, board games successfully funded $2 million a year. That kind of gives you an idea of the size of the board game space inside of the Kickstarter universe. We're fairly small when it comes to that. But with that said, a significant amount of traffic is driven to Kickstarter from a concentrated location, basically Board Game Geek. Board Game Geek is one of the top 10 refers to the Kickstarter website, according to Cindy. These board games uh, are driving a lot of attention and a lot of activity, but they're kind of still small compared to the size, particularly around uh, film and music, that is so much of what Kickstarter is all about. The top 10 games that funded in 2011, you probably can go out and, and see that on uh, Board Game Geek. Doug Click's got a good uh, a list of top 10. Now, he only does board games. He doesn't do RPGs or card games per se. Uh, so let me give you a quick list of the, what those are. D-Day Dice was number one. Schlock Mercenary, number two. Alien Frontiers Factions, an expansion, was number three. Glory to Rome, number four. Miskatonic School for Girls was number five. Creatures was number six. Flashpoint Fire Rescue was number seven. Eaten by Zombies, number eight. Board Crafting, number nine. And Kings of Air and Steam is number 10. Uh, D-Day Dice, dice game, Schlock Mercenary board game, based on the schlockmercenary.com uh, webcomic. Alien Frontiers Factions, board game, based on the previous Kickstarter project of Alien Frontiers. Glory to Rome, not exactly a game, a reprint of the artwork in an existing game that people really liked and they wanted better artwork. So Glory to Rome, that's where that funding came from. That was in the 70000 range. Miskatonic School for Girls, a card game, uh, pure and simple, kind of came out very, uh, you know, nothing previous, nothing after, just focused on that, that theme. Creatures, you know, this one uh, has generated a lot of talk on Board Game Geek and uh, out on the forums because it kind of came out of nowhere. Who are these people, and where did this game come from, and why did it resonate so well with Kickstarters? Uh, I think I didn't back it, but looking at the cards and the play, it's a whimsical fun that could be played with your children or your friends, adults, parents, grandparents, that seemed like a cross, it, it, it crossed the spread of all interested in board gaming. I think that's where it, it saw its backing. Flashpoint Fire Rescue was a print-and-play, free print-and-play game that was then turned into a Kickstarter project, so it had a backing already. Eaten by Zombies, a uh, collectible card game, deck, excuse me, deck-building game uh, that came out. Board Crafting, again, not technically a game. Settlers of Catan, uh, the gentleman who did that decided he wanted to make a piece of artwork that was the board of Settlers of Catan that you could play with, very nicely done wood 
And uh, that got out of hand looking at his updates. He realized that he'd bit off maybe a little bit more than he could chew because the, the response was fairly overwhelming. But he ended up in the top 10. And then Kings of Air and Steam, our folks over at Tasty Minstrel Games, comes in with uh, their top 10 for the year. That's two years in a row that they have been in the top 10 category. Their eminent domain continues to be one of the all-time top 10, but it was the top. It was number one in 2010. They make it into the list as number 10 in 2011. We're looking forward to fun things from them in 2012. Okay, good data. Well, here's a few other things. Let's see. Uh, by month, obviously December was by month by far the number one funding month with over $600,000. Then you saw August as the second month. And here's my theory on that. I believe that in August, what happened was is that you saw a lot of people out there hitting the circuit, the uh, Origins, Gen Con, the WBC, a lot of the other conventions around the country taking their games on the road, these prototypes that they had. And people became aware of the game, they wanted the game, and they realized that they could get access to the game through Kickstarter. And I think that's why August, we saw such a huge number. August continues to, it was the second highest funding number out of all the months, even though November, October, and September all did very well, August was, was the best. Now, if you're looking at doing a Kickstarter project for 2012, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Let's start with the good news. It's going to be a great year for Kickstarter and board games. This is not a bubble, and this is not something that's just kind of a flash in the pan, and now it's going to crash, and it's, everybody's, there's no Kickstarter fatigue that's going to set in uh, the way that people are describing it. It's going to set in, but not the way that people are describing it. That's the good news. The bad news is if you're launching a board game project right now, and right now represents the first, next, first two months of 2012, i got some bad news for you. If you go out and look at my charts, you'll see that historical data would indicate that there's a little bit of activity in January and then nothing in February and March. And then things start to pick up in April, May, June. Here's what I believe is going on there. Uh, rain shadow. You know, I live uh, on the West Coast in California, grew up uh, living up and down the West Coast, and know that on one side of the Sierra Nevada or Cascade Mountains, the Pacific side is wet, rainy, and lots of water. On the other side of the mountains, an hour drive away sometimes, it's desert. Dry, sparse desert. And what that's called is rain shadow. All the, that moisture gets squeezed out of those clouds as they push up against the mountains, and then they go over the mountains and nothing. No water, no nothing. And that's what the holidays in the U.S. has done to the Kickstarter projects. Leading up to Christmas, we're all in that spending mood. We've got money, we've got budget, and so we just keep spending. But once the bills start to hit, and once the shopping is over, we now are faced with the reality of, you know, I'm not sure I have the money right now to spend on a whimsical, emotional kind of impulse buy, which oftentimes a Kickstarter project can be, an impulse buy. And so you'll see in January, February, and March, this huge drop-off. It is cyclical, and it doesn't represent a huge drop-off in the enthusiasm for Kickstarter, simply a huge drop-off that people don't have any more money. So if you're launching a project right now, you better set your expectations, reset your expectations, because there's not going to be a lot of money out there. Now, the good news is, is that 
you might be the only one, but I doubt that. I think there's going to be a lot of projects that are that pop up, but they're going to have trouble finding money over the next couple of months. Okay, enough for the, the down or bad news. Let's go talk about some more fun stuff. The number of projects that funded in 2011, as I said, was about 110, 111. Again, most of those projects were in December. The second most projects were in November. You know, August actually didn't have the most projects. It was like number four, even though it's number two for the funding. It had a higher average amount of funding. People spent more money on those games. And again, I think it comes because people got out there and, and told their story. If you're doing a Kickstarter project, you've got to be out there beforehand. Long before your project even goes on to Kickstarter, you should have a, a, a whisper campaign a buzz campaign, a rolling thunder campaign, whatever word or description you want to use for how you go about building momentum and word of mouth, you need to have that going full speed before you even start to think about launching your campaign. Well, how do you do that? Well, uh, there's been a great examples from a lot of people who have had successful campaigns. Uh, my folks over at, uh, my good friends over at Dice Hate Me, who have done a great job with their carnival game, or the folks over at Crash Games with Rise, who were kind of caught in the middle and then they did a great job of recovering uh, halfway through their campaign. you got to have an ongoing conversation with your intended audience. Ongoing. Everybody worries about spamming and too much. No, there's not too much. Yeah, there could be, but that's not my point here. My point here is if you're going to err, err on the side of too much and not on the side of restraint. Because if you don't say anything, there's no chance of people really hearing you. If you do say too much, there's a chance that people will be turned off, but it's a lesser chance than people than those people who didn't hear you and didn't pledge. So err on the side of too much. Get out there, be talking about it. Well, where do you talk about it? One, show up on people's shows. My show, I got guests on all the time. Find the podcasts that are out there. Get on the guest blogs. Get your game out there. Get people reviewing it. Uh, get people talking about it. Set up a design diary on Board Game Geek. Set up the game itself on Board Game Geek. Put it on a print and play so that people can download it and play it. Do all of those things to drive it home so that people get it in their hands, get it in their minds, and they start thinking about it. That's this whole word of mouth campaign. And that needs to really be built up. And if you don't have the time or the inclination or the energy or the interest to do that, then please don't waste our time by throwing your, your project up there and expecting all of us to do that work for you. And you saw that with a few of the games that were kind of misunderstanding the concept of Kickstarter. They thought Kickstarter, you put it up on Kickstarter and suddenly they were going to have $100,000 in funding and uh, that's all they needed to do. No, there's so much more to that. And we're learning a lot more uh, as we go along. And I'm going to share a few of those numbers here before we wrap up. We're, uh, we've just got a, a few more minutes here in, the, in this uh, episode of the show. Lost my train of thought. But this is a podcast. That means I can go back and edit. But I'm not going to. Let's just go ahead and, and go on. Let me, let me talk about, uh, let's see, what else? Hopefully I'm not boring you and you're enjoying this. Uh, I'll talk about the top games per month that funded throughout the year because this was kind of interesting uh the folks over at schlock mercenary did eighty thousand dollars and they finished number two for the month behind d-day dice which had pre the previous week had set the new record with one hundred and seventy thousand dollars when uh, d-day when schlock mercenary went live i sat down with the creator of schlock mercenary a very good friend of mine howard taylor and i said howard you've got yourself a gold mine here this thing could go 
straight to the top and become number one. Now, at the time, number one was $76,000. And I thought I was being bold. Boy, I was wrong. He didn't even get close to number one. He only got $80,000, and number one's at one hundred and seventy-six. He didn't get halfway. Yeah, well, we didn't see D-Day Dice coming at the time. And uh, Schlock Mercenary was number two for the month. So here we go. Here's a quick list of the top games that funded for the month. So in January of last year, Cards Against Humanity was the top funding game for the month. No game successfully funded in February, nor in March. In April, Rolling Freight was number uh, number one for the month of April. The same folks that were behind, actually, Schlock Mercenary. Dungeon Dice, not technically a kind of a game, but kind of a game. So Dungeon Dice comes out as number one in May. Dice Age came out in June as the number one game. And then Tech Noir, which... Kickstarter themselves have used kind of as a case study of how to successfully do a Kickstarter campaign, a uh, RPG game. Glory to Rome, which we've already mentioned, came out in uh, Glory to Rome came out in August as the number one game. Eaten by Zombies in September. Alien Frontiers Factions was the number one game in October. Creatures was the number one game in November. And then D-Day Dice was the number one game in December. All of those games were number one, but they aren't necessarily number one on the top ten. Uh, D-Day Dice, Creatures, Alien Frontiers, Eaten by Zombies, Glory to Rome. Yeah, all those made it, but those were all at the end of the at the end of the year when the when the money really started pouring in. As the year came to the to an end, we found and discovered some data. Started to make uh, we started to learn things about uh, Kickstarter, about backing projects, and it's interesting because Kickstarter themselves gave us some data before we started the year. Uh, an average project lasts thirty days. Uh, a certain amount of money, but we started to find some things that maybe weren't consistent in the board game space that were consistent with the Kickstarter universe overall. And so what I'm talking about is uh, uh, AJ Porfirio, who's been on my show, uh, has a great column that he keeps track on Board Game Geek. You can find him under A-J-P-O-R-F-I-R-I-O. Vander Van Ryder Games is his Twitter handle. And he's really done a lot of data crunching to find out exactly, you know, the reality between uh, what Kickstarter's been telling us and what we're seeing. So a couple of things that he and I, uh, kind of putting some numbers together, discovered was, is that, for example, Kickstarter says that, on average, the projects that are, that successful projects by amount raised. So the most money raised usually is between one and $5,000 on a Kickstarter project, almost all of the money is $5,000 and less. But when you look at a board game project, it doesn't quite come out that way because on a board game project, you have uh, a different number that comes out. On board gaming, the numbers are the other, the other way, that funding is actually $5,000 or above or even $10,000 and above Half the revenue is $10,000 and below, above. So a, a, a significant shift on Kickstarter projects because Kickstarter overall has all kinds of projects, right? People want to design something or they want to throw a party or they want to do a film or whatever. And so you have lots and lots of little projects. But on board games, these 110 projects that we did this year on Kickstarter, they have a different, they have a different feel. You're actually building something that's tangible, that's in your hands, and when you're done... You get to play with it. And there's a price point that appears that on a Kickstarter board game project, 
$5,000 or even, excuse me, $10,000 and above is the halfway mark, $10,000. So if you're asking for money, you might think about raising that amount that you're asking for to that $10,000 mark, realizing that uh, th there's a probably a good chance that you're going to raise that amount of money. It's interesting, only one board game uh, f uh, attempted to fund more than uh, $25,000. Only one. And that game, uh, you know, I can't even remember what it is. Oh, it's uh, Ballodium. Ballodium? Something. They raised $31,000. They were asking for $25,000. They asked the most. That was the game that asked the most that successfully funded. That doesn't count to some of our folks over there that were asking for $100,000 for uh, their board games. No, not quite ready there. So we're out of time. The show's over. This is our uh, end of our first episode for season two. Thank you for listening. In the next episode, we're going to talk about uh, what I call the impact that Kickstarter is having on the board game space and why it represents such a fundamental shift uh, in, in how things are going. You've been listening to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisper podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, your host, and thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>